Good morning. My name is Morgan, and I'm on staff. You know, with Donnie leaving, I don't know if you all know this, but there's a vacant position, and that's CEO of Making Fun of Me. <laughs> and so we're going to be opening up applications for that right after the service. We've got some front runners, so um, get your application in if you uh, want to be the new CEO of Making Fun of Me. So this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 118. And there's so much in this text and in this passage. And so what I've done is I've made a video of just some of the stuff that we'll be talking about this morning and go into a little bit more detail of that and then also touch on some stuff that we're not able to touch on this morning. Um, and that'll jump onto YouTube right after the service. And so if you just haven't heard my voice enough right after the service and want to jump on, or later in the week, it'll be up there. So um, if there's something in the text that resonates with you, um, you can check that out. And there's an activity kind of that engages you with uh, Psalm 118. And then there's, there's some other things to note. Um, so if that's of interest to you, that'll be um, on the church's YouTube channel after the service. Uh, so this morning we'll be looking at Psalm 118. So if you have a copy of God's Word um, on a phone or in the pew Bible in front of you, you can turn there and we'll be reading um, all of it as we start. Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I'll look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I'll enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I'll give you thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, has made his light shine upon us. Bows in hand, joining the festal procession up to the horn of the altar. You are my God, I will give you thanks. You are my God, I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Um, so 
Psalm 118 fits within the Egyptian howl, which is 113 through 118. And these were songs sung, psalms sung at the at Passover, reflecting on the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. And I don't know about you, as I first read this text, there's nothing necessarily in the text itself that screams like, oh, yeah, 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 exodus. Like, that should be what's on our mind. Um, and what's, what's interesting about this text is that the psalmist is reflecting on his own experience of victory in battle. And he's reflecting on that in light of Moses' song of deliverance coming out of Egypt. Um, and so in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, this is when they're in Egypt, slaves in Egypt, where the Israelites are. And the Lord said to Moses, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And then God does that. God, um, through Passover, and then leads the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery. Israelites went through the waters. And then in Exodus 14, 31, it says the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then in response to that, Moses and the people sing a song to the Lord. Pay attention to this song that they sing and see if you make connections with what we just read in Psalm 118. Exodus 15, verse 1 through 6, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, I will praise him. Father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies hurled into the sea. Best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. Said, you have become my salvation. They were slaves to the Egyptians, and they received salvation from the enemy of the Egyptians. They received salvation through the waters that they went through to escape. They received salvation from their slavery They were trapped in slavery, the Israelites. They needed the Lord's salvation. They needed the Lord's deliverance. They needed the Lord's help. So as we think about that, where are you trapped this morning? What is it that you are bound by? Are you enslaved by your anger? Are you enslaved by people's opinions of you? Are you enslaved by shame? 
What are you enslaved by this morning? And where do you need the hand of God to break that that you're trapped by this morning? Israel needed deliverance from God, and that is what the psalmist is reflecting on in light of the psalmist's victory in battle. They're reflecting on their own journey of salvation, of deliverance, of the Lord helping them in light of the Exodus. So as we look back to Psalm 118, I don't know about you, but we can kind of feel the pressure that's mounting that the psalmist is reflecting on. Verse 5 says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord. He answered by setting me free. It's also been translated, When I was hard-pressed, the Lord brought me into spacious place. The, the, the text in the Hebrew kind of gives this idea of being in a tight space, crying out to the Lord, and then the Lord bringing you into kind of an, an open space, a field in a sense. Um, years ago, I was in California and I was hiking and I was going to go do this hike and then the road was kind of rough, so I stopped and was kind of, thought I was near the ocean, so I decided to park and walk through, it's kind of like a camp and campground area, walked through and kind of ended up on the edge of this cliff. And like down below, there was this beach and it was just as far as you could see and there was nobody so I thought to myself, I need to get down there. And was able to get down pretty easily because the, the surface was kind of like, it was sort of like a cliff of like sand. So it was really easy to kind of control, slide down, but it makes it really hard to get back up. <laughs> so I felt like I was like crawling up. And at one point, I grabbed hold of this like plant and my feet were positioned in such a way that I was like, I don't think I can move without sliding back down. And I felt like I was in a tight space, right? And I, I didn't know where to go. And miraculously, certainly through the Lord's help, I was able to get up back to the surface. And right, it's open. It was spacious. And I thought, oh, this is much better. So kind of... It, gives this idea of being in a tight space, trapped, crying out to the Lord, and the Lord bringing you into an open space. And then what do we read in verse 10 through 12? The nations surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. They swarmed around me like bees. So here's, um, it's a 17-second video if, of bees swarming, and if you don't like bees, you can cover your eyes for 17 seconds. But this, I believe, is live footage of Donnie last week being trapped by, and bees were, were swarming him. So pay attention, and you might see Donnie's eyes trapped there. Covered up, can't see him anymore. Gives the idea of kind of uh, uh, this surrounding, right? It surrounded me. The, the psalmist is writing that his enemies surrounded him. 
in battle, surrounded him on every side. He, he's looking around, and he realizes he's trapped on every side, and, and the enemy seems like they're swarming like bees. Look around, and there's no escape. The pressures are swarming. Like, how do I get out of this? How do I escape? And don't we oftentimes feel that pressure in our own lives? Where there's this mounting pressure, and we look around looking for an escape, and we realize, oh, there's pressure on every side of us. And then we think, and it, the pressures are swarming. We can't get away. Oftentimes, we feel a pressure to perform, a pressure to fit in, pressure for our kids to turn out all right. Pressure for grades if you're in school. Pressure, pressure, pressure. We feel pressure all around. And in the midst of the pressure, the psalmist declares, he has become my salvation. So in the midst of the pressure that you feel in your life, can you declare, he is my salvation in the midst of the pressure I feel what pressures in your life do you need to give over to God? And what pressures in your life do you feel as a result of deep down, if we dig deep enough, it's really a lack of trust in God to be your help, to be your deliverance, to be your salvation. If we dig deep enough, how many of the pressures in your life do you feel as a result of that? It says, he has become my salvation. Verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or cornerstone. We know that this is fulfilled by Jesus, that Jesus was the one who was rejected and is the cornerstone of our faith. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All four of the gospels quote this verse as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday as he's going to go to die. That is fulfilled by Jesus. So here's a question that I want us to think about. How did the Israelites escape Egypt? And how did the psalmist escape when this pressure was mounting in battle. Exodus 15, verse 6, says, Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. And Psalm 118, verse 16, says, The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. It is the hand of God that caused the Israelites to escape their slavery and for the psalmist to escape this pressure in battle. They are dependent on God. It was not their own doing that brought them out. It was the hand of God upon them that brought them into the place of deliverance. Any success or fruit in our lives, if we have any deliverance from what we're trapped by or enslaved by or the pressure that we feel this morning, it is the, because the hand of God that we're set free. It's God who gets the glory. 
The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The hand of God is a beautiful metaphor in scripture. And so with the time remaining that we have this morning, we're going to look at some of the different uses for the hand of God in scripture. It's not an exhaustive list of every instance that the hand of God is used by any means. We're going to look at the scope of how the hand of God is used in scripture. First, sometimes the hand of God refers to God's creative power. Isaiah 45 verse 12 says, It's I who made the earth, created mankind upon it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. Sometimes the hand of God in scripture refers to the hand of God's creative power in making the world, in making you, in making all things. Sometimes the hand of God in scripture refers to a hand of judgment, a hand that is against God's enemies. Zephaniah 1.4 says, I will stretch out my hand against Judah, against all who live in Jerusalem. I'll destroy every remnant of Baal worship in this place, the very names of idolatrous priests. And in 1 Samuel 5, verse 6, the Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod and its vicinity, brought devastation on them, and they were afflicted with tumors. Sometimes the hand of God refers to a hand that is against his enemies. Sometimes the hand of God refers to a hand of favor. Ezra chapter 7, verse 6 says, the king granted Ezra everything that he asked, for the Lord his God was on him. The king granted everything that Ezra asked because of the hand of God that was on him, and it was a hand of favor. Acts 11.21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. How was it that the church grew? It was the hand of God's favor that was upon them. Sometimes the hand of God in scripture refers to the hand of a deliverer. Nehemiah 1 verse 10 says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. And Psalm 20 verse six says, now I know the Lord saves his anointed he answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Sometimes the hand of God refers to the hand of a deliverer. Sometimes the hand of God in scripture refers to the upholding hand of God. Psalm 32, sorry, Psalm 63 verse eight says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And John 10, 28 and 29, Jesus says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He's referring to his sheep. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. If you've trusted in Jesus, you are held by the upholding hand of God 
a hand that you can never be snatched out of or taken from. You're held by the upholding hand of God. For some of us this morning, maybe you walked in with a heavy conscience. You feel the weight of sin in your life. And maybe there's this heavy burden upon you. Maybe it's the hand of God's convicting grace that is upon you. Psalm 32, four and five, psalmist says, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord and he forgave the guilt of my sin. Maybe you are feeling that the hand of God is heavy on you, but that is not a hand that is heavy on you in judgment. That is a hand that is heavy upon you so that you will turn to God. Acknowledge your sin and receive a greater level of forgiveness. It is the hand of God's convicting grace. There's one more hand that I want us to look at this morning, and it's the best of all. It's the most beautiful hand. John chapter 20, 24 through 28. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He said to Thomas, put your finger here See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting. Believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. The most beautiful hand of God is the pierced hand of God. The same hands that created the world are the hands that were pierced for you. The hands that hold you, provide for you, protect you are the hands that were pierced for your salvation so that you might have freedom, so that you might have a greater, a greater, a greater and greater and greater life. Jesus is God and he is your salvation. He is your deliverance. He is your help. This morning, know that it was the hand of God that gave the hands of God in Jesus to be pierced so that you might receive freedom, so that you might receive life. And so one question remains this morning. How will you use your hands in light of how he has used his hands to save you. In light of the gospel of what Jesus has done for you, how will you use your hands to love him, to worship him, to serve him,
and to bless the world in his name. So as we transition into time of communion, spend one minute and reflect on this question. How will you use the hands that God has given you to worship and love him, to serve him, and to bless the world in his name? So spend 60 seconds and think about those questions.